0: So one of the commitments we have at the chapel here is not that only that we would dedicate our children as unto the Lord. Um, Ben, you might need to help me. I don't know where my clicker is. Um, This is gonna be a little weird, but I might have to go look in the dark over here, all right? Did I put my? You look. Well, we're going to, we have in the courtyard, uh, I'll show you a picture. Of, maybe you can, in the back, advance it. There we go. We have First Coast Women's Services on campus, and we have Isaiah 117 House on campus. Both of these are ministries that we, as a body, want to encourage you to say here's how you can support and stand for life. that... First Coast Women's Services, they have campuses all around Jacksonville, places all around Jacksonville, thanks. And here's what they do. Pregnancy tests, they do a lot of this, but here's where I see they do sonograms where people see it's not a mass, it's a life. They see a heartbeat. And so many people who walk into First Coast Women's Services and are considering abortion, see life, see a heartbeat, and think, I can't take that life. And so because of that ministry, so many choose life. Isaiah 117 it is a ministry that helps as children are in the transition in foster care and often don't have, to have a place to go. In that transition, it provides a house for them to stay in in the transition in foster placement. And so those are two ministries here in town that I don't want us to be simply a church who is against abortion, that we stand for life, but we're far more than against abortion. We are for life, and we are for ministries that support and help people embrace and take a step of life. Uh, One of the great things that First Coast does as well is provide counseling and healing help for those who have abortion in their past. And there's deep regret and sorrow and shame and the power of the gospel and the power of God's grace and forgiveness applied to that particular situation in life. So great ministries that we want to encourage you to consider how you might Add your own resources to these ministries, whether that's in dollars or in minutes through volunteering. So they're set up in the courtyard if you'd like to get to know more this morning. All right, if you would now join me in Matthew chapter six. We are looking at this concept of maturing as Christ followers and maturing In specific areas in our life. Specifically, what we are looking at last week and this week, maturing as Christ followers, as men and women, children of God who do not worry. So let's not keep this theoretical. Uh, Just think with me about your last week and maybe something you were anxious about or you worried about or you lost some sleep about or you felt some tension in your Shoulders, or you, you experience some level of anxiety. I want you to think about that because Jesus says very specifically to us as children of God that we do not need to worry. He says, this is a quick recap of last week, he says, don't worry because life, number one, is more than the physical issues you worry about. Second, you are most valuable to the heavenly Father, so look at his provision for the less valuable and know that you are most valuable. Understand the reality that worry never helps and know that grace is sufficient, his grace, for each today. Not to import tomorrow's hardships, difficulties into today. Believing that when that day, when tomorrow becomes today, there will be a grace of God sufficient for today. So super appreciative this past week of a number of folks who said to me, it was, the, it was Sunday and I'd heard the message and I was concerned about something on Wednesday. And I kept saying to myself, no, it's not Wednesday. It's Sunday. And there'll be grace for Wednesday when Wednesday becomes today. So very practical from Matthew 6 aspects of worry. So as you think about what you were maybe anxious about this past week, maybe this would be a quick review for you to remember. These are the things, the truth to remind myself as I feel myself becoming anxious or worried. There is, and this is why we're going back to Matthew 6, there is one more aspect that Jesus speaks about Worry that we didn't have time to cover last week. So join me, verse 30 of Matthew 6, and he's going to connect an important fact about our life as believers with worry. He says, verse 30, Matthew 6, but if God so clothed the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the service, will he not much more... Clothe you. In other words, you don't need to worry about those things because what we just said. God sees you as most valuable. He has provided for the less valuable. The more valuable need not worry. But after saying, so don't worry about those things. He cares for you much more. He will provide for you much more. He then says, you of little faith. So he is connecting, and I want you to think about this for each of ourselves. He's connecting our worry with our faith, and he connects it in this way. When we see the interplay of worry and faith, Jesus says worry is an, an expression of a reality of little faith. Not a, And so we think it's, it's not enough faith. If I had great faith, you ever thought about this? If I had great faith, then I would never worry. But I don't have great faith. Uh, I'm worrying because I only have a little bit of faith. But actually, that's not a correct understanding of what Jesus te- teaches about faith. When he teaches about Because if you go through the Gospels, you'll see him speak a number of times about great faith and little faith. When Jesus speaks about little faith, look at this in Luke 17. If your brother, he says, this is him speaking to his disciples, if your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, do what? Forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day, find a new brother. No, that's not what it says. But that's what you'd want to do, right? If he said, okay, we got we to gotta change something. No, he says, if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, then forgive him. And I know many of you have heard this before and you've probably thought, wow, that's a pretty tall task you're asking. To forgive the same person seven times in a single day? It's certainly what the disciples thought. And so they say to Jesus in response to seven times in a single day, Lord, increase our faith. We need more faith if we're going to forgive like that. It's almost like they're saying, we've got enough faith to forgive. I mean, how many times a day you get faith for to of two? All right, two. Once, because three strikes, you're out. Yeah, you might go two, but maybe three on a good day, but if yesterday was three, also not a chance for three to today. If that's gonna happen, I'm gonna need what? More faith. Increase our faith. See, we think faith in terms of a little faith, And I need great faith. It's natural to think that way. But Jesus speaks to that statement, increase our faith, and says, if you had faith like a mustard seed, probably know this, mustard seed, I could show it to you, but you'd hardly be able to see it, like the, like the, the sharpened tip of a pencil, mustard seed. Way less than that. If you had faith like a mustard seed, you would say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and be planted in the sea, for it would obey you. What's he saying? You don't need more faith. A little faith. See, if we think, well, we don't have this for seven, we'll need this. He actually goes the opposite direction and says, no, no. You only need communion cup full of faith. Why? Do you know why? Because the power of faith is not in the size of faith, but in the, the object of our faith. We tend to think the effectiveness of faith, the power of faith, the, the work of faith, is dependent on how much faith I have. But Jesus is very specific when he is told, no, we don't have enough faith. He's like, no, faith is not determined. The effectiveness of it, the power of it is not by size. A little bit of faith will be enough if it's in the right object. And I think Ryan Toller a few weeks ago did a great job of illustrating that it doesn't take great faith in a great God. It takes great faith in a weak God. But do you hear what I just said there? It takes great faith in a weak faith. What is the value of great faith in a weak God? There's no value because the value is not in the faith. It's in the object of the faith. You can have as much faith as you want. If the object is weak, it doesn't make a difference. And if the object is great, why do you need great faith? Because you have a great object. Now, you get what I'm saying, right? You have a great God. Yes? You have a great God. The whole point of Matthew 6 is you have a heavenly Father who's great. You don't need piles of faith (laughs) a little faith will be enough so it's not about the size of the faith it's whether the faith is is present or not you see what I'm saying it's whether it's the mulberry tree didn't require a lot of faith, but it required it to be present. And Jesus say, when you are worried, faith, when he's saying little faith, it's not all oh, your faith's not big enough. What's he saying? Your faith is not present in the moment. The effectiveness of faith, it's not a size issue. It's a matter of, is it in the object worthy of faith? And is faith present in that moment? So you get what I'm saying? The interplay of worry and faith. It's not, oh, Doug, I don't want to worry, but I still worry. I need more faith. I don't need more faith in that moment. Excuse me, I don't need more faith. I need faith in that moment because a little bit of faith in a great God in the moment is sufficient. Are you tracking with me? If this is kind of the first time you're hearing this, it's really hard to get out of our thinking. Mature people have this much faith and I only have this much faith. If I would mature more, then I would have bigger faith. But maturity is not about the size of the faith. It's the object of faith and the consistency of the presence of the faith. See, if I'm anxious about the doctor's report, or if I'm anxious about my job... If I'm anxious about a relationship, if I'm worried about what the next 10 years will hold, if I'm anxious about the political climate in America, I don't need piles of faith for that worry to be absent. I just need faith. It's not the size, it's the presence. See, if I can say it most directly, when faith is present, Jesus is teaching, then worry is absent. And and I know this about me. See, I realize the flip is true. When worry is present, then faith is, yeah, it's not too small. It's little in the sense that it's not applied in that moment. Again, if you're struggling, let me encourage you to do a study. This is what changed my total understanding of faith. I simply tracked the expression, great faith through the life of Jesus... And little faith through the life of Jesus. And I discovered that when Jesus said great faith, he was acknowledging there is faith present when it would normally be absent. Not the size, but that it was present. And when he says little faith, he always says little faith to his disciples. And he would have expected there would be faith present, and it was what? Absent. <laughs> My memory serves me correctly. Great faith is always said, except for one occasion, to Gentiles, where you would expect faith to be absent, but it was present. You see, it's not a size. A little bit of faith or a lot of faith. No, it's a little faith. Faith should be present it's absent. You're my disciples. I mean, you've, you've seen what I've done. You've been a part of my miracles. How is it that faith is not present in the moment? You of little faith. Why are you worried? You know me. But in this moment, faith Not present, and so worry is present. See, have you ever, have you ever been uh, this doesn't make sense. You trust God for your eternal destiny, the vast majority of you. You have trusted your eternal destiny. To God, right? Yes? But you're worried about the next year. That does not make any sense. If you could only trust him for a year, you ought to be worried about your eternal destiny. But if he's good for eternity, he could handle your year, right? I've told you often, I love the old Sherwin-Williams paint commercial when I was a kid. Because they were like, we painted the Apollo. We painted Three Rivers Stadium. We painted this. We can handle your bathroom. (laughs) That's perfect. There's good theology there. If you can trust him with eternity, then what's the deal about next year that you're so worried about? You have, what's Jesus saying? You have little faith. If faith is present for eternity, how is it that it's absent? for November of 2024. It doesn't make sense. That's, that's what we're talking about here. And, and, I, and I need to tell myself that. No, I'm trusting him with my eternity. I can trust him with my retirement. You see? When faith is present, worry is absent, the opposite's true. So, When we talk about needing more faith, it's actually (laughs) faith more. In those moments where it's absent and worry is present, I don't need more faith, I need faith more right in that moment. I think, this, I think this really will help you as you experience anxiety in whatever causes you to be anxious to in that moment go, this is a reflection of that I am not trusting in the Lord in this moment. It's not that I don't trust him, it's that I'm not trusting him now. And so, What is it that we are trusting in him in the moment that would dispel our worry? Here's what Jesus says. You have little faith, don't worry, saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. Now, let me pause right there because you do know the vast majority of you are Gentiles, right? We're Gentiles. So, so why is Jesus contrasting Gentiles in this moment? Because he is speaking to a crowd that understands that the Jewish people are God's chosen people. The Jewish people are the ones who, with whom he is Father. There's Jews and then there's Gentiles. See, it's yet for them to be understood. Jesus knows, but it's yet for them to understand. So he's speaking a language that they understand. It's yet for them to understand that the descendants of Abraham are not according to race, but according to faith. So, you see, he's not, he's not saying, hey, Jewish people should never worry, but Gentiles should always worry. What's he saying? Those who have trusted in me. Those those who know him as Heavenly Father. If you missed last week, all of this entire passage is a gift to those who have trusted in Jesus. These promises are unique to believers. And here's what he's saying. If you have trusted in Jesus and the Heavenly Father has become your father, then what can you trust in? In that moment where you're tempted to be worried or you are worrying what can you trust in He He knows what you need He knows what you need He's not blind It's not that he doesn't care He knows He's a heavenly father See, faith believes in the moment that overcomes worry. It's in the moment, doesn't it? Because little faith is a faith that is absent when it ought to be present. And it ought to be present when we know him as Heavenly Father because I'm not going to worry. I know, I have confidence in the object, my Heavenly Father, that he is perfectly wise. He knows what I need Your heavenly father knows that you need all these things and that he is lovingly good. He's a heavenly father. Who knows? He's infinitely able. This this is in my mind the trifecta. The perfect three. You can be wise, but not be good. There are people in our world who are wise, but not good. So, to be wise and to be good. But you can be wise and good, but weak. So all your wisdom and all your goodness can't actually accomplish anything. The perfect the trifecta in our heavenly father is what? He is a father who knows and is good. That's his whole emphasis later in Matthew 7, where he's gone. If you be in an evil father, <laughs> we're not I'm far from a perfect father. And if I, as an imperfect father, can give good gifts to my kids. How much more my heavenly father who knows everything and is good and our God is in the heavens and he does, you know what Psalm 115.3 says? Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens and he does whatever he pleases. See, I don't know if this is making sense to you, but this is, this is what I mean by the trifecta. What my heart needs to believe in the moment is what's true about my father. And when I believe this to be true about my father, then why would I worry if he knows my needs, he's good and always gives what is good, refuses to withhold anything that is good and is able to do what is wise and good. Then what in the world would I worry about? Does that make sense to you? So you're gonna be anxious this week? Worried about something, health situation, family situation, relationship? Lord, you know, and you're good, and you're able. You have no weakness from any side that could keep you from doing what is absolutely best and good. I will not worry. Truly, what a gift. I don't need mountains of faith. I have a fantastic object. A heavenly father who a little faith In the moment of worry, we'll remove the worry, and I'll rest in him. So, now don't don't miss this transition. Faith that we've just talked about, this confidence is not just an idea. Faith is not just an ideal an abstract thought. Faith is a, it's a verb. It's an action. And it has a very specific action. The interplay of worry and now prayer. Be anxious for... Nothing. Make the list. Be anxious for nothing. Why? Remember? I have a perfectly wise, lovingly good, infinitely able Heavenly Father, and therefore I will not be anxious. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So this might look a little cheesy to you, but faith has an action. (laughs) And the action of faith is prayer. I want you to think about this. I don't know. I'm trying to have faith. I'm trying to have faith. I'm going to believe that in the moment. Believing that in the moment does something. Faith in the moment of anxiety does what? Praise. He says, Let your requests be made known to your heavenly Father, who is perfectly wise lovingly good, infinitely able. And everything, let your requests be made known. So he's, uh, the three-step process to letting your requests be made known to God is this. Number one, ask. Number two, ask. Number three, ask. See, it's not hard. But think about this. If you're worried about something, ask. Ask who? The perfectly wise, lovingly good, infinitely able. Let your requests be made known to God. Here's what I was referencing earlier. Ask, and it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. To him who knocks, it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? If he asks for a fish, he'll give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your, heaven, will your Father who is in heaven give what is good to those who ask Him? So, ask. Now you may go, huh? ask what? Ask what your request is. <laughs> if your health is concerned, ask Him for healing. Ask Him. If you're concerned about your job, ask him for a job. Ask. When we have concerns around here for volunteers, for dollars, we commit ourselves to do what? Ask. Let's ask the Lord. Ask him. For what you need. What we often do is ask for peace. And I'm going to show you, don't ask for peace. Ask for what you need. What do you need? Ask. 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 Now, here's what some of you, if you're honestly thinking, you're tracking with me. Here's what my wife would say. I have asked, Doug, and the Lord didn't answer, and I'm still anxious about it. I'm asking, and He isn't doing anything. So um, let's go back and look. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known. So ask, ask. Ask, ask with thanksgiving. See, I'm asking, watch, I'm asking because he is what? Perfectly wise, lovingly good, infinitely able, and I am thankful that he is perfectly wise, lovingly good, infinitely able. Meaning, I can, I can ask and trust his, his, his answer. The uh, guy was sharing with me recently. I, I've, been, I've been asking the Lord, and, and he's not doing what I'm asking. He's not answering. And I said, is no not an answer? And he was like, what do you mean? Uh, what I mean is, is no not an answer? I wasn't trying to be a smart eye. Is no an answer? Is it a good answer? Oh, it depends who you ask. Seriously. It all depends who you ask. Is it, can it be a good answer? What's it depend upon? It all depends on the object. Is he perfectly wise, lovingly good, and infinitely able? Oh, Yeah. So if my object that I'm asking, he says, no, it's not only an acceptable answer, it's a, it's a good answer, right? And see, here's the beauty. For so long, I hate this about part of my journey, is that I always had to figure out what the Lord wanted to do, and then I'd ask him, because I couldn't possibly have him say no. Because that would make the object look bad, weak. I'm asking, he's not answering, your God's not that great. So you gotta figure out what he's gonna say yes to and then ask him, and if he's not gonna say yes, then don't ask. Unless you say like a thousand times, not my will, not my will, whatever you want. Hey, you know what? Can I set you free from this? The Lord will do his will. You don't, like to give, you don't need to give him permission to like, let him off the hook. <laughs> you can simply ask. Seriously, you can simply ask. And if you ask and he says no and you're ticked, you weren't asking. You were trying to work God. And it's like, it's almost like he sees that coming. It, it completely, completely freed me up to go. If I can believe, That no is not just a, well, you know, you win some, you lose some. So just keep asking, play the odds. You may go, nobody thinks that way. All sorts of people think that. (laughs) Just got to play the odds with God. Oh, if I believe that no is not just an acceptable answer, it's a good answer Because he is perfectly wise, lovingly good, and infinitely able, guess what? I can ask with incredible freedom. Or it seems to me, here's what I'd like. Here's what I like. Here's what I'd like, Here's what I'm asking, here's what I'm asking. And however you answer, I trust you. I trust you.. I mean, do you listen, have you listened to country music enough in your life to know the song, Thank God for Unanswered Prayer? Yeah, you're missing out on important theology if you don't listen to country music. You've got to sort it through your Bible, but sometimes there's fantastic theology in country music. And if you can't look back and see the gift of unanswered prayer in your life, you haven't done much asking. I know I am far from perfectly wise. I have no idea what the rest of this year will hold. I have no idea what 10 years from now is going to hold. So I ask according to what I understand. I'm not oblivious to what I think the Lord wants. I just don't always know exactly what the Lord wants. And so I I ask with. Thanksgiving, you you get the key here? With Thanksgiving, Lord, I'm asking and I'm thankful that you can do anything and I'm thankful that you love me as a perfect father and I'm thankful that you know best and I'm thankful that that your promises that you won't withhold anything good. I'm thankful that you're always working for my good and I'm thankful your timing is perfect. So I'm thankful. And here's my ask. But how, so, so. Friends, are you asking? And you're worried because you're not asking. Are you asking but not with thanksgiving? Because you're asking, but you're kind of worried that he's not going to answer right or he's not going to hear you. I'm asking with thanksgiving. And when I ask with thanksgiving, What is the promise? And the peace of God, next verse, which surpasses all comprehension. In other words, peace that blows your mind. Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. See... (laughs) We're worrying, Lord, give me peace. I'm worrying, Lord, give me peace. That's not, he says, Don't ask for peace. He said, Let your request be made known with thanksgiving. So, what it is about your situation that you're asking Him to do, ask Him and be thankful, and then you'll be at peace. Does that make sense? Uh, but that's not how we see peace like peppermints. And we're like, can I have one? You, know, you need some peace? You need some peace? You need some peace? You need some peace? I need some peace, Lord. And, and I throw you peace, and, and then you can't even catch it, and you miss it. And he's like, don't do that to me. Haven't <laughs> you asked the Lord for peace and then went, been able to catch it? I, was very, I didn't want you to catch it, so way to go. <laughs> Have you ever asked the Lord and then not been able to, and you're like, I can't get it, I can't get it. Ask, just ask for your request. What it is, is it, he says here, is it food, is it clothing, is it shelter? What do you need? Ask with thanksgiving. And when you ask with thanksgiving, then you'll have peace that blows the mind. Why? Why will you have peace if you ask with thanksgiving? because my heavenly father is perfectly wise, lovingly good, infinitely able. He will not withhold anything that is good from me. I'm going to ask him. And if he doesn't give my request, then I I trust him. And I have peace with his yes and I have peace with his no. Because both are are answers, good answers. I wish I could stand before you and go, it's been like three years since I've worried. I do hope that there's a day I go, I, I don't worry anymore. It's been at least three hours, is that good for me? So. <laughs> I'm Lord willing, maturing, growing. That's what, I'm, that's what I'm laying before us this morning, that we would be growing and growing in faith as it relates to being children of a heavenly father is trusting who he is in the moment so that in the moment, what would have previously brought about worry now brings about Peace because the act of a little faith in a worried moment is prayer. This hand is asking, and this hand is thanking. Ask with thanksgiving. Ask with thanksgiving. Don't be a one handed prayer. Ask with thanksgiving. And what's the promise? What did it say? the promises, peace from God. That's what the peace is, peace and the peace of God, peace from God that extends beyond what makes sense. And that peace is not only a phenomenal gift (laughs) instead of the worry that was there previously, it guards, it says, it's a peace that guards my heart and my mind. It guards me. So here's, here's what I, want, I hope you'll consider. I cannot continue to ask with thanksgiving and expect to experience the peace that is promised to those who ask with thanksgiving. Now, you don't have to write all that down. I just want you to understand. It's so easy to listen to a message like this and then leave and pray the same way you've always prayed and then conclude, "Done work. It's the promise. I need to learn to pray how? With thanksgiving. To ask with thanksgiving. And asking plus thankfulness equals peace. A peace that, real quickly, guards my heart from doubting the goodness, the love of God, because yes and no are both good answers. It guards my heart from doubting the goodness and love of God, and it guards my mind from a peace that is dependent upon my circumstances. See, see, if I only have peace once I get what I was asking, my peace is circumstantial. And peace does not come in circumstances. Peace comes in a person, our Heavenly Father, regardless of our circumstances. Let me invite the band to come up. and i want to as they come up i want to invite you to bow with me this is an an opportunity for you if you would please let's practice the text whatever's causing you to be anxious or worried these days Would you pray with thanksgiving in these quiet moments? Okay. What are you asking? Don't hesitate. Ask. Let your requests be made known. All right, if you ask. Now, what are you thankful for about your heavenly father? Because you're asking with thanksgiving. Just, just name the things in the, the quietness of your heart and mind right now. What are you thankful for about who your heavenly father is? Father, we want to grow up as your kids. We want to reflect the greatness and your goodness and your grace and your love and your wisdom by our asking with thanksgiving. Thank you that you are good and perfect, fully trustworthy. It's the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and worship.
1: Rejoice always, for the Lord is at it Rejoice in the promise of His peace. Thank you, Lord, is the language of our faith. Rejoice in the Lord always. Oh. Rest to you- with thanksgiving hey and that can start right now if you just don't know how to even get started we have men and women available between the auditoriums that are there to pray with you let's go help them to ask what you're asking the Lord for with thanksgiving let them do that with you it would be their privilege and I hope you have a great rest of the day really glad that you're here God bless you